is another episode of my podcast, Science Encrypted with Mark. I hope you liked the episode before this. I am the host of this podcast. My name is Mark. The co-host of this podcast is my dad. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. The topic of this podcast episode is ours, octopus aliens. And why I'm talking about that is that's a really popular science theory that a lot of conspiracy theory podcasts talk about, and I've heard about it, and I'm really interested in it. So do you think octopus came from space, or what's your theory? That's a great question, and I think the answer is yes, but maybe for a few different reasons. Well, what are your reasons then? So octopus, they're very unique the way they live, and they're extremely intelligent. Yes, um, they are. And their ability to troubleshoot and, and solve problems um, it makes them distinctly different than other animals on Earth. And a lot of scientists have done research. In fact, there's many studies that talk about you know, say 33 plus scientists, so really just a bunch of scientists, who knows, 33, that's just everyone that was on a list or not, but a lot of scientists have looked into research, and from all the data they can gather, leads them to believe that they're from outer space. I think it's a compelling argument to have a handful of scientists that have investigated to sell that narrative. Personal reasons is from looking into shows about it, and reading books and stuff. I think that there is a very unique building of octopuses that aren't natural to the other life forms on Earth, except for humans. Maybe apes come similar. Um, or Neanderthals are similar. Yeah. Why I think that they came from space is mostly because their relatives <laughs> are like snails, clams, slugs, other stuff like that. And people don't see snails as smart. I personally think snails are very, very smart creatures. And you can teach snails tricks, is what I believe. But normal people don't think they're smart. So another reason why they come from space is that they're so different. You'd expect them to be more ape-like. It'd be easier to believe that they came from space. They were more ape-like. Because apes and humans and Neanderthals and all that stuff are smart. That's one of the reasons. And another one of the, the reasons is their eight tentacles. They actually have nerve cells and like brain cells kind of in their tentacles. Think independently of themselves. Yeah, another thing that I thought I was watching some clips on them and showing some videos. I thought it was really interesting to see the ability they have to change colors like instantaneously and the ability to disguise themselves in, in creative manners. And so. I think it's really important to understand that a lot of animals, their thought process is very instinctual. And when I was looking at these shows and these um, clips of the octopuses, it looked like there was a creative mannerism behind them. And the ability to be creative at all is very remarkable for an animal. And then also to think outside of the box, come with solutions and how to overcome obstacles, not just be driven from a very um, hunger base, but actually have thought process and decision bases that jump outside of that small circle of thought process that usually drives most animals, which is, you know, to feed, to not die, and to procreate. From looking at the octopus, I think that they had larger capacity than that, which is very interesting. I heard this story <laughs> where there was an octopus it didn't like the light turned on at night above its tank in the aquarium. So what it would do is at night it would put its tentacles up and grab the light and screw it out and put it somewhere. 
I think that's what it said. That's one of the things I said. I don't really remember it good. Or the other thing is it would basically turn off the light, like with the light switch, because it's not humans doing that. I think octopus are good at decision making, and they don't just do it for survival. I think they have fun doing it. Like I saw someone make a puzzle, and how they do it is they put their tentacles in. Each sucker on each tentacle did it, and what happens is if a sucker finds something interesting, like food or something. It'll send the signal to the next sucker, and it's basically a chain reaction, and it sends a small signal to the brain. And the bigger the signal that the sucker gets, the bigger the signal octopus's main brain gets. So the octopus comes and finds it. Also, read about uh, two interesting things is um, to communicate. It sounds like most of the research out there says that they use posturing of their their body and their arms, as well as using color. And so the change in the color to communicate, which is really cool, because they're in water, and so the, the ability to speak and be heard is greatly diminished. Mostly speaking, I think the ability to hear is a lot easier than creating sound, so the ability for them to adapt to use other forms of communication is pretty good. Probably the biggest doubt I had initially about from outer space is it's ridiculously cold out there. How is it realistic that an octopus could survive out in outer space? Scientists have discovered, I think it's about 10 planets that are in other solar systems, that they have, like thousands of reasons to believe those planets are similar to Earth and have life. They're sending robots there and stuff. Zeta Rectulis, I think that's the name of the galaxy. Someone got abducted by aliens. They asked the aliens where they're from. They said that galaxy. Apparently, people send satellites there, but to this planet that the aliens claim they're from or whatever. And I think it's amazing that octopuses can use color, like they change their color but my question isn't that whether or not they live on other planets. So I think it's very likely, including many, many other species. But the ability to go from that planet, this planet, you have to go through outer space, which is ridiculously cold. What if the planet collided with another planet and a really hot meteor? Like, what if one of the planets that the octopus lived on collided with another planet to make a meteor? that had octopus eggs the octopus eggs were like fertilized somewhere in it because what if it what if the meteor was made out of like just rocks and water what if it was like half meteor half comet it was made of like ice water and earth dust rock so the octopus could live in that like the octopus's eggs would be frozen or well, preserved and that's, inside of and that. that's great thought mark because i think that's what the leading argument is for people that believe that they did come from our spaces that it was frozen bacteria or viruses or different things of that size that have been proven to be able to withstand temperatures negative 100 degrees more or less so ridiculously temp cold temperatures and so testing has proven that it is a feasible feat that something was transported in a frozen comet, asteroid, meteor of some sorts that could have gone through outer space and landed here. Or I think it was half meteor, half comet that had octopus eggs in it and that thing came to Earth. And well, mushrooms can withstand lots of heat and freezing cold temperatures. And there are a lot of fungi that can survive what, like nuclear blasts. Like, there was this company that, it, it was actually really safe. What they did was they used a big, like, nuclear laser or whatever, 
to seal their food so all the mold and stuff would die and wouldn't grow back but still they found mold in it and it was actually a type of i know it was a type of mold but that mold like it photosynthesizes radiation it can withstand radiation but it actually photosynthesizes radiation yeah it's true and who knows i mean if according to what I've read it talks about them coming 200 million years ago. What their capacity was back then, after being here on Earth and evolution, we look at a completely different type of octopus that existed when it first came to this world. It could have had some of those traits. Since then, maybe it hasn't had the need to, and so it's evolved out from those uh, related traits that it would have needed to be able to transport across outer space. I read this in an article. When octopus first came to Earth, like when squids arrived on Earth, they were infected. Like there was a huge amount of squids that all got infected by like an extraterrestrial virus from space. Like bacteria that came from space infected them. So I think that maybe the half meteor, half comet thing that brought octopus to space, there were also some frozen like viruses that have died out since then. That's pretty cool. One of the training ideas out there is that thinking about communicating with aliens, everyone's seen different movies that talk about, you know, it being a very normal way for us to communicate. If aliens came from space, people wouldn't communicate with them in a normal way. I've heard of that idea where they came to space, there's no way, like, we can't figure out what they're saying, we can't decode what they're saying, so we communicate with them by, like, hacking their devices. I've heard of that theory. Like, in real life, when people say they get abducted by aliens, when the aliens communicate with them, it's always, the aliens usually use telepathy, like, they never talk, they use telepathy to communicate with them, which what isn't they, a normal what way. What they do in the movies, but we have yet to have a whole lot of evidence of communicating with aliens, so, I mean, it's just our ideas and our thoughts of how to communicate. But with the concept that octopus could be an alien, look at how many years and years and decades we've known an octopus. And we're not nearly, I don't think we've found a way to communicate effectively with octopus. What makes us think that we'll be any better to be able to communicate with aliens that come to this earth that are from a completely different world when we've got a potential alien on our earth now? And we still don't know how to communicate with them. If someone ever discovers a really good way of how to communicate with an octopus, it'll probably be someone with, like, ADHD. And why would like that me? be? Because ADHD makes you a lot more creative. I think that you need to be a very creative person to figure out how to talk with an octopus. So from your experience, it a sounds like creative. you're saying there's a lot of energy and it creates a lot of times for you to think through and put extra thought process into stuff, which can in turn, turn to additional ideas, more creative thinking. Yeah, and with that's that, exactly what I'm saying. That you'll be able to discover, maybe go the extra mile and find new ways to be able to communicate with octopus that haven't been discovered yet. Octopus are very smart creatures. My idea on how you could communicate with an octopus is pretend your hand is an octopus. Like, they'll know it's not an octopus, but they'll play with your hand. Their suckers can smell and taste. So I think that another effective way could be smells, like chemicals or stuff that you put into the water so they could sense that or taste that. So maybe we try to create a palette of different scents and we could use those to try to find a way of how to stimulate different responses from the octopus based off of what smell we introduce to them. And maybe that would be a better way to try to communicate with them. Well, if we kept doing that over and over, or we did the same scent, 
like two times in a row, I think they'd be like, oh no, I'm going to do a different <coughs> response or I'm not going to respond at all. Like, they won't do the same thing. Octopuses are very complex creatures, very smart creatures. Cool. So another interesting thing about octopus is they actually have a large brain and a very sophisticated nervous system. Their eyes are kind of like cameras, the way that they function. And their bodies, if you ever see eyes, like, they're ridiculously flexible. Yeah. We're seeing a clip on one that was a huge octopus and it'll suck itself through, like, a golf ball-sized hole in a piece of glass. Their um, tentacles can go <laughs> in, like, any direction. Yeah. It's amazing. The coolest thing is still back to like their ability to change colors. Like that's ridiculously cool. And they can do it at will. It's not like a long-term process where they sit somewhere and over an hour or over a day, immediately they change colors, you know, for cars or the military or different aspects. I mean, it's, it's a really cool concept. What I think is no one's ever thought of copying an octopus. We should just figure out what their cells do. Then scientists should copy microchips off of what their cells do. And I don't mean like computer frames. I mean like what if you had a shirt that had super small microchips everywhere in it, but you could just upload an image to it and the shirt would be that image. Like the shirt can change colors and it copies off what octopus do. Well, think about last two years ago when the COVID vaccines came out. You know, this is the first time when the vaccines weren't actually vaccines versus I believe that the intention was to change your DNA. So, I mean, what type of future development and that we could actually inject into us some type of DNA strand change and that would give us the ability to replicate what octopus can do. And so you can actually change your own skin. You make yourself invisible, quite an invisible man. I wouldn't want to make myself invisible. Or maybe just make your skin invisible. And so, like, if you're sick and you have, like, a bad kidney or something, they can see through your skin. They could do a localized spot where they can investigate without actually having to cut you open. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be so fun on April Fool's Day. I could scare everyone. Yeah, that could be pretty creepy, especially when people don't know what's happening. I can make myself look like one of the monsters from Scooby-Doo, like any of the monsters from Scooby-Doo, and different times on April Fool's Day and scare different people. Cool. The final thought I have about the octopus being from outer space, this goes back to everything on this earth. At some point, this earth was created, so at some point, everything was from outer space. Every existence, every creation, it came from somewhere, and... We have to acknowledge that this earth itself came from somewhere else as well. So it might not be that the question is, did or did not come from outer space? Because really, we're all aliens to this world um, from the very beginning. Because we came from somewhere. We came from somewhere. But the question maybe more so is when we came from outer space. Is it about the octopus coming from outer space or that they came at a lot later time in history than the rest of the creations on this world? One of my theories is that... It actually arrived on Earth two years or something after scientists first discovered it. Because was that famous person who made a famous book on evolution? Charles Darwin? Charles Darwin, a famous scientist, he made a book that a bunch of scientists agree with where evolution happens fast and slow. And I agree with that theory. So I think that the octopus arrived on Earth like two years after someone discovered it. The octopus has evolved like not at all since then. Yeah, that's a great idea. So should we finish it up? This is the end of the podcast, and everything that I say is just my opinion, and I hope you like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, and click the notifications button. That's the end of this episode.